How many of you have found yourself running late for an important meeting because you couldn't find that one thing you needed before you head out the door? What if I could tell you that in just 10 minutes a day, you could take your home from chaos to calm because clutter really is nothing more than postponed decisions. I've created a challenge to help you get ready to ditch your clutter and simplify your life. Want to hear a secret? You actually have the power to create more peace and calm in your home, and you can have it in less than 10 minutes a day. Join the Chaos to Calm Challenge so you can organize your space and create more peace in your home and focus less on stuff and more on the people you love the most. I want you to be able to effortlessly live clutter-free in your own home. This challenge will teach you the proven systems to get a clean and clutter-free in 10 minutes or less because we're all busy. How to create more peace and calm in your home and how to focus on what and who you love with an organized space. To join the challenge, just go to barbiejoe.com forward slash challenge. Hi, this is Barbie Joe, and you are listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. This is a show for busy moms and families where we talk about household order and function. We'll discuss tricks of the trade and systems to improve family life and managing a household. Hello, everyone. Barbie Joe here, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so excited today to be talking about The Extraordinary Unordinary You, which is an amazing book that was meant to inspire and help people along the road of adoption and overcoming trials and triumphs and all the things. So we are so lucky to have the author with us today, Simone Canego. Simone leads an ordinary life filled with extraordinary moments as a wife, mother to six children and three dogs and a serial entrepreneur. She splits her time between her family, businesses and personal growth. She's realized the small choices she makes every day to do good actually have the power to inspire others. With this book, she hopes to inspire you to embrace life's ups and downs and realize the impact you're making in the world. Welcome to the show, Simone. Please tell us about yourself and how you got to this place in life. First, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, it's so much fun to have these these conversations. So I've done many things in my life. Um, I started off um, through education. I have a master's in accounting and I'm a CPA. But I kind of realized early on that um, that really wasn't, not only what wasn't what I was meant to do, but really wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and I have tried quite a few things, but I think I finally realized that where I'm meant to be is as a storyteller. Um, I wasn't an, I wasn't a writer before I wrote the book, but my goal with the book was really um, when people read it, to, for it to be more of like a conversation on the couch. So I've had a lot of great experiences, but really it's about, you know, how we see ourselves that kind of moves us, moves us forward. Okay. Can we just talk for a second about how you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro? Tell us how and share with us a bit about that experience. 
So I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in, uh, it, it was actually six years ago now, which is crazy to think that six years have gone by. Um, I'm 48 years old. I was 42 at the time. And it was something, it wasn't honestly a bucket list item from the beginning. It was a, you know, an opportunity came up um, and I was asked if I wanted to do it. And I said, absolutely. Um, The idea of a challenge, mental and physical. And yeah, no, I'm not a climber. Um, I joke that I've gone camping a few times, but definitely, you know, most people would say, well, you went from nothing to Kilimanjaro, basically. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, as I got involved and really looking at the process, I realized that it was exactly the right kind of challenge for me. I went with uh, 16, there were 16 of us, uh, complete strangers uh, who became lifelong friends. It was, you know, really, we are raising money for the Live Strong Foundation. So, you know, not only were we, not only did we have the goal of summiting the mountain, but really kind of the common purpose of, you know, supporting each other, um, really going together as a team because, you know, we were raising money for, you know, the Livestrong Foundation and really climbing in honor of friends and family members that either were, you know, getting treatment for cancer or had passed away from cancer. Also, um, quite a few of the people on the trip were cancer survivors. So it really made it that much more special. That's incredible. So how did that experience apply to leadership in your life today? So when we look at leadership or we think about leadership, I think a lot of times we think about it just within, you know, the corporate world, within our careers. And, you know, I actually, I think that leadership applies like in all aspect, aspects of our lives, whether we're talking about raising our kids or, you know, hanging out with our friends, there's all pieces of leadership that kind of apply to those situations. So, you know, climbing Kilimanjaro, you know, you, you have to figure out how to work together as a team. You know, we're not in a boardroom. You can't just go back to your office if you don't like something that's happening. Um, you have to figure out how to work it out. And, you know, we had, I mean, it really was such an amazing group of people who, you know, if there was a day where I was struggling carrying, you know, the weight of my pack, you know, people would take pieces of it, you know, so that I didn't have to carry as much weight. And it, it applied to everyone. So anytime someone was having a hard time, there was always someone someone to help. Um, and and then, you know, the discussion of, you know, what do we do if, you know, let, let's think about all the scenarios, you know, if someone is going slower than the rest of us, do we all slow down? Um, if someone is struggling and they don't think that they can make it, do we all not go to the top? You know, all of those kinds of questions that, you know, really apply to how you work as a team. And, you know, we were, we worked together really well as a team and everybody made it to the summit and, you know, everybody, and and there was moments where we did have to slow down or the decision was made that a couple of people were going to go a little bit slower for someone that was struggling and the rest of us would continue forward. Because obviously when you get to you know, that kind of height in terms of elevation, you can't stay up there for a a really long period of time. So, you know, decisions that we had to make, and it's all part of all part of leadership. That's absolutely incredible. I can't believe you did that. That is insane. And yet so heroic to me. Now tell us, I know you have six kids, and you adopted quite a few of them. So I wanted to kind of dive into your adoption stories. 
And I'm sure it wasn't all smooth sailing. I'm sure you've had some hard lessons along the way. So tell us a little bit about that. So we adopted our youngest three children. Um, I have stories about everybody, of course. I mean, that's what I, you know, as a mom, I've got all kinds of stories, but um, <laughs> uh, we, our oldest kids, 24, uh, 20 and 18 are, um, they, they look just like me. Um, and then um, our 16-year-olds and our 13-year-olds are from Ethiopia and our 14-year-old is from South Korea. You know, we learned a lot along the way. You know, I, you know, the, the, the lessons in patience, I think probably stands out the most. Um, you know, here I am, I, I have three kids and you know, we, we go to South Korea to bring Noah home. And I think, you know, I've got this, like, you know, I, I've, I've already had three kids. Like, you know, I, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> I, I definitely struggled. Um, Noah, uh, Noah has a lot of sensory issues. He cried for 16 out of our 18 hour flight from Seoul to Chicago. I basically stood in the galley the entire time. And, you know, it's one of those hard things where, people would, you know, would keep pulling the curtain back to kind of take a look. And I'm like, I'm doing my best, you know, and I think it's a good reminder as a parent that, you know, that's what we do. We do our best, you know, and there's no such thing as perfection. And sometimes it does just doesn't go the way we think it's going to go. But really looking at them and thinking that, you know, it's adoption is an amazing journey. You know, the, the kids really start at a place of loss. You know, they've, they've lost everything before we've, we've met them. And, you know, I can't say rebuild because, you know, that I, I'm not trying to replace anything. Um, but I think really looking at them and saying, okay, how do we best support? How do we love them at, you know, and, and make them feel that, you know, that love, I think that was really kind of really some of the most important things for me. And, you know, again, definitely a lot of patience and they're amazing humans. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine life any other way when people say, Hey, how's your day going? I was like, Oh, it's the normal chaos. And that's usually my, my response. But again, that's what we love. This is why we're, we're here. So that's incredible. Now, how do you manage your time and just even the everyday flow of your regular family while integrating new children into your home? How did that work? So it was really important for us from the beginning that everybody was part of the process, that it wasn't just my husband and I making the decisions about adoption. We actually uh, we actually took a blind vote each time because it's not just us raising these kids. It takes a village, right? When you get, you know, we're past zone defense at this point, right? So, you know, it, it takes a lot to to kind of move forward. And so each time, you know, that we voted, you know, it was always an interesting thing. And so the last, the last, when they were younger, obviously they were just like, oh, yay, new sibling. Um, but, you know, for the, for our last adoption, you know, when we did our little vote and, you know, instantly my daughter, Olivia, she wrote down her vote and pushed the paper to me. And I said, Olivia, you, you didn't hesitate. And, you know, everybody voted yes. But I'm like, you didn't hesitate when you voted. And she said, mom, we're talking about the life of another child. How could anyone vote no? And to me, that was such a powerful, you know, a really powerful moment. And that's kind of how we dealt with 
all of it. So when, you know, when Noah came home, you know, everybody kind of helped, you know, if he needs a bottle, you know, one of the other kids would help as well so that they felt like they were part of the process and not just standing there watching me, you know, and, and feeling jealous that I'm not, you know, paying attention to them. And it's, it has served us so well. And they are just, again, they, they feel like they're part of it. And for us, that was really important. That is so good that you involved your, your children, your family. It was a, a family decision that I think is very important, especially when validating, you know, your already family as you were extending your family. So thank you for sharing that. I think that is key in many things that we do in life. We often just say, nope, I'm the parent, I trump. And we don't often take into consideration everybody's point of view or let them even have a say. So I think that's really powerful. Now, I heard you have been quoted saying, change the way you see yourself and the world around you will change. Tell us what you mean by this. So for me, it kind of goes back to that I really struggled with, you know, that comparison game for so long that I really, you know, I didn't know where I wanted to be. I didn't feel like I was enough. I think that applies to so many people in this world that we, you know, we're constantly looking at what everyone else is doing and not realizing what we're capable of. Um, And so, you know, I had this moment in time, this kind of aha moment where I'm like, you know, you got to stop comparing yourself to other people. And, and what I've learned, what I've seen is that, you know, it really is about changing the way you see yourself. I, I, for me, I don't think we need to change who we are. I'm not saying be complacent and just stop doing everything. But what I'm saying is that when you, you know, when you change the way you see yourself, um, then you know, really the world around you does change because you're willing to open up more. You're willing to, you take a look at yourself and say, I believe in myself. And when you believe in yourself, there's so much more you can do. There's so many ways that you can impact, positively impact the people around you and really inspire the people around you by realizing that, you know, it's these little things that we do every day that really make a difference in the world. So, you know, looking at, you know, a celebrity on stage and saying, well, that will never be me. Okay. So what? That will never be you or that will never be me. But, but what it, you know, I am, you know, capable of so much. And by not doing that comparison game anymore, you know, I've really realized that, you know, the time that I take to, you know, spend time with a neighbor or, be patient on the phone with a conversation with customer service, all of these things that we think are no big deal, they really impact the people around us. Sometimes we don't realize that these moments in time, these human connection moments, which are obviously right now, you know, few and far between compared to what they used to be, that when we reach out to someone, that might be their only contact the entire day. So let's make it positive. And when we believe in ourselves and when we realize what we're capable of, um, I think it totally changes, you know, our impact on the world. I love that. That was beautifully said. Now, you have a multicultural family. So how do you discuss what's happening around the world? So we we have lots of conversations. Um, we're really big about um, being open and honest about things that are happening. And 
And really talking to our kids about it goes back to really looking at yourself and being proud of who you are. Um, never once have we said we don't see color. We see color and we appreciate, you know, each member of our family, each member of the world for who they are. We're not, you know, we are not colorblind because when you're, you're colorblind, you basically erase someone's past. And so for us, it really is about, you know, acknowledging how um, special each child is and how much they've added to our family and really you know, when a conversation comes up about, you know, what's happening in the world, we, we let them talk, we let them express themselves and, and really discuss how they're feeling and, and what their thoughts are instead of just saying, well, no, this is how it is. You know, I think it's so important for them to kind of share how they're feeling about stuff because again, you know, they have that, that saying, you know, you can never judge someone until you can walk a day in their shoes. Well, honestly, you can never, you know, walk a day in someone else's shoes. You're never going to be in that exact moment in time to be able to have that same experience. So for us, it's really important for our kids to just, you know, explain to us what they're feeling, talk to us about what they see and, you know, how they, how they see things differently. That is so good. I think a lot of times people would rather just sweep things under the rug and pretend they don't exist or they're not happening, but to face them head on, I think is magical and it makes things a lot easier in the long run. Um, I'm sure you have so many stories to share with us. So do you have a heroic story or an extraordinary moment with adoption that you would like to share with us? I have lots of stories. (laughs) Um, You know, I think um, maybe I'll talk about Ari. So, I mean, Ari was uh, four and a half years old when um, when we met him. And, you know, at four and a half years old, you have memories, you know, he really, he really did, you know, lose his, you know, whole beginning. And I think that's such a, it's such a tough piece. And it's so important to acknowledge that, you know, he had this, you know, this whole life before we met him. Um, but he's like the kindest, most caring human. He he just has such a huge heart. And he, when I first met him, we walked into the orphanage and we had actually, they requested that we send a photo album ahead of time so he can at least see who we are. So, and they, you know, are constantly explaining to him that, you know, this is going to be your mom and that, you know, I, you know, I can only imagine the conversations. I thought I was being really smart. So I sent this photo album where you can re- record your voice on every page. I think the nannies at the orphanage were um, not so happy with me <laughs> when I got there because he used to push the button all the time. We actually sounded like aliens by the time we got there because it was, you know, the batteries were almost gone. But when we walked into the orphanage and, you know, he did recognize us from the photos and I sat down next to him and, you know, he was truly starving. He had, uh, he was malnourished. He had uh, rickets. He had um, ringworm all over his scalp. I mean, there was, he had a lot of health issues, but as I sat down next to him, he was eating his lunch and this kid who has lost everything, literally is feeding me his food. And to me, that was like such a strong moment of just a heroic moment, looking at him thinking how 
amazed I am that this child who, you know, really does not have as much food as he needs is, is feeding me his food. And he's just such a good kid. And we're, we're so fortunate that he is part of our family. Oh, that's incredible. Just what you have done, you've opened up your home and your heart and changed lives by adding to your family. And I think that is absolutely incredible. Now tell us, why did you decide to write a book? So taking a step back, um, just like I, I am not a mountain climber, um, I was not a writer. Um, I am a storyteller. I love to tell stories. And you know, I really felt that it was important to kind of share share our stories, share our messages. If I can impact one person, then it's all been worth it. If I can change one person's mind about, you know, what a family is or, you know, what they're capable of, then I think it's so important. And I was doing some public speaking and when I would finish an event, I would have the question, have you written a book? Uh, no, I haven't written a book. Well, you should write a book. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and then, uh, the more I heard it, the more I thought, you know what, maybe this is a great way to kind of share my messages. And so that's what I did. And it, you know, I'm, I really sat down, you know, when I started and took the time to put into it, like I would a job, right? Like I, I really scheduled my time to make sure I could accomplish my goal. And I really feel that it, you know, kind of represents our family. It represents our life. You know, I talk about their adoption stories. I talk about Kilimanjaro. I talk about when um, my daughter Olivia was diagnosed with Crohn's. Again, I think it's so important that we we not only share our triumphs, but we share our challenges as well. Because I think sometimes when people are struggling, they they feel like they're alone. And so for me, it's so important to share, to share my struggles as well, because, you know, you're not alone, right? Like that's the whole thing, this human connection piece of that we can really make a difference in someone's life just by having a conversation. Oh, I love that. And it's true. So many people can benefit from where you've been. And we think, oftentimes I know I do, that, oh, I don't want to share that. That's ugly. That's the unpolished version of, of me and my life. But those raw, vulnerable moments, those hard experiences are lessons that can help other people through their journey. So I think that's wonderful that you were able to get that into a book. Tell us how we can find your book. So you can find my book online at pretty much um, every uh, retailer. Um, Amazon's Amazon's a good place to start. Um, you can find me um, on my on my website simonecanego.com. Um, as as I know it, I am the only Simone Canego in the world until someone names their child after me, which I don't think is going to happen. But you know, I'm on all social media channels as well. And so if you search me, you will find me. Amazing. Well, we will definitely include how to find you in the show notes and how they can find your book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. I just love that title. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing a piece of your life with us. Thank you so much for having me here today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Don't forget to check out my website at barbiejoe.com. And if you liked this episode, you've got to subscribe. I'd love to have you join me. Bye for now. 